And what I wanted to do was present the prayer to the world, but also present this, this mayhem that surrounds the prayer. And you'll see from a sound design point of view, the prayer begins and then you almost want to just catch it. Like, hang on, I want to hear more of the prayer. And I almost take that away from you. And it's, a, it's, it's almost, for me, it's a metaphor for our people and our culture. And this language has been around for thousands of years. That's almost just gone blip. It's kind of like, where is it now? Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Ready or not, here I come. Does that sound familiar? We've all played the game hide and seek when we were younger, where somebody is hiding and the other person is trying to find them. Well, today's guest took a different spin on the game, whereas it is now a game of life and death. Hey everyone, it's Nino here, bringing you episode number 154 of the Assyrian Podcast with Brian Petu. Brian wrote and directed a film about a father living in war-torn Iraq, trying to protect his daughter from violent fanatics by using the innocent game of hide-and-seek. The film Grace has been a finalist in numerous film festivals, including New York Shorts, Boston Film Festival, Moscow Film Festival, Paris Shorts, Toronto Independent Film Festival, the LA Film Festival, Montreal Independent Film Festival, and was even awarded Best Foreign Short Film at the Calgary Film Festival and the Prague International Indie Film Festival. In this episode, you'll learn more about Brian's inspiration behind creating the short film Grace and his plans to create a feature film in the near future. You'll also hear about the challenges faced with making this short film and how Brian and his team overcame these obstacles. Before we begin, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you to make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us wherever you're listening. Also, if you know someone who should be on the podcast as a guest or even a host in your country, please reach out to us. You can find out more information on our website. Support for this week's episode of the Assyrian Podcast is brought to you by Tony Calagracos and the Injury Lawyers of Illinois and New York. If you know anyone that's been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Calagracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at injuryrights.com or at 847-982-9516. This episode is also sponsored by the Ushana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. If you're considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California, John and Rita are available to make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Ushanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit more by checking out their website, theushanapartners.com. And now, here is Brian Petu. Ryan Petu, thank you so much for joining us on the Assyrian podcast today. It is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. How do you feel? Uh, I feel I feel great. I feel a little overwhelmed. Um, I never thought. Uh, I mean, when I first set out to to you know make the film, you know, all, all the way from 
you know, thinking about the idea to writing it to, um, you know, uh, bringing on the team to help produce it and then make it. And for me, it was just a, you know, I, I saw a, uh, I heard a story that inspired something in me. And um, I've, I mean, I've always wanted to tell a story about our people because I, I, you know, I've never seen that before. And I've always questioned it, like, where, you know, where is it? Yeah. Where are our artistic people? You know, we've got our doctors and scientists and all, you know, God bless them all. But where, where are the artists? Absolutely. Um, um, so I, I never thought that, you know, it would have this kind of reaction. And, and to be honest with you, like, I mean, you know, we uh, the, the the film's been around the world, thankfully, you know, it's, it's and we're really grateful and, and um, really happy. It's been, you know, it's LA, Calgary, uh, uh, Boston, um, you know, it's, we're at so many festivals, which is, which is fantastic, but I never, ever thought that, um, you know, our community would react this way. And, and yeah, I'm not sure what, what happened, but someone found the trailer, put the trailer up somewhere. Like, I don't even know. And then all of a sudden, you know, and this is three, three days ago, just bang, just inundated with messages and emails and yeah. really lovely messages and, you know, of support and whatnot. So yeah, feeling, feeling great. I mean, the, the, the team is also very grateful. So thank you so much to the community. We're, we're, we're um, very grateful. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just on the uh, Grace Film Instagram page just to see the different film festivals. And it was LA Shorts International, Rhode Island, Montreal Independent Film Festival, Australia Academy Cinema Television Arts, San Francisco, Best Foreign Short Film with Prague Festival, winner of Calgary Film Festival, Moscow Shorts, London Indie Film Festival, Boston Film, Tokyo, New York, Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. list goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're still, um, uh, well, we've, we've still got a couple, we're waiting um, uh, on a couple of um, festivals this month and the next month is pretty big as well. We've got we've got a whole bunch, um, you know, waiting here next month. So, yeah, and hopefully, look, hopefully we'll, I mean, the ultimate, I mean, the ultimate goal, right, for the film is to make the feature film. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. Um, you know these these festivals and and awards and whatnot. They're they're all amazing and we're really grateful. And but they all you know the the whole purpose is to you know get it out there, get recognition, get people you know get eyes on it, get an audience, and then hopefully you know put together a pretty strong case to to uh, you know make a feature film. At the moment we're writing uh, the feature. We've got um, um, we've got a fantastic writer on board and our producers. You know he, he's a uh, He's an unstoppable force, our producer, mm -hmm. which is which is very good to have on our side, um, and he's very passionate about the story as well. And yeah, so look, these festivals are fantastic, but the ultimate goal is to you know get get the feature up up and running. We've got yeah. Um, so so yeah. let me ask you this: How did the film get into the festival? Do you, as you know, the the crew have to it, in, apply for it? Yeah, yeah. So we um, we. Oh God, it's been, it feels like ages now. <laughs> so the film came out in January and uh, what happens is we've, so we, we've got the short film and then we have basically a, a kind of a, a list of, you know, uh, festivals that we'd love to get into. Um, and yeah, we submit, we submitted in January and as the festivals open, cause each festival has its own kind of, you know, and, and this new world of, you know, COVID, uh, you know, festivals, which is basically online. I mean, it, it, it kind of has worked beautifully because, you know, the, the community can see the film online, but at the same time, you know, we really 
wanted to get out there and go to these festivals, go to LA, go to, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we've got a, a, a pretty um, big community in, in California and in Chicago as well. And I mean, they're dispersed all around the world, but, you know, just going to these festivals, meeting the people, meeting the community, that, you know, that, that was something we really wanted to do. But, you know, COVID being COVID, a lot of these festivals are online. Um, uh, some of them have kind of like split, like Prague, for instance, had a split. They had a physical aspect to it in, in, in Prague and it had the online um, aspect. And it was really weird, like waking up that morning and having a look at the uh, the email and going, okay, let's, let's see how it went. And then uh, it was a live event and it was like 3 a.m. our time. So obviously we missed it, but um, woke up the next morning and I, you know, clicked the video and it just went through it and just, it went through category by category by category. And then it got to best foreign film. And I was like, oh, here we go. We're, you know, not expecting anything. We really haven't been expecting anything. We just thought we take it out there and we'll see. And yeah. then, then the name got called and we're like, I mean, I swore a bit <laughs> out of excitement. Um, and my wife was trying to tell me to, you know, calm down and relax. The baby's asleep. And I'm like, you don't get it. We won. We won. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's, that's how the festivals work. That's amazing. I know you mentioned that you really wanted to create this film. What inspired you to create the film, Grace? So what inspired the film was um, a family member of mine uh, in Mosul went through uh, something pretty tragic. And uh, it, it, it's, it's quite sensitive, so I don't really want to kind of go through it. But when I heard this story, it really affected me. And I really wanted to tell that story. So I spoke to my parents about it and I was like, look, I, I, I think, you know, I, I think I really need to tell this story. Um, and they were like, look, out of respect, I, we, we would advise not to do that only because, you, you know, just the specificities of the situation and, and, and all that. So, so I kind of, I, I let it go for a bit. And then, then when 20, the events of 2014 happened again, it just hit me again. And, um, it's, it's, I was like, no, I, I need to, I need to tell a story. So what, um, what happened was I, I, the best way I write, or the best way I know how to write is to put myself in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, look, if I was in that, in that world and that's what happened and, um, you know, the inevitable was going to happen and I didn't have the power to, you know, or, or the resources to, to, to get out or, or you know, because a lot of them don't, you know, you, it's funny because a lot of, you know, people I know go, oh, but why don't they just go? Why don't they leave? It's, you know, you don't buy it. It's not that easy. No, you don't buy a plane ticket, get on a first class flight and then just leave, you know, it's, it's not like that. So put myself in that scenario and I was like, how would I protect my kids? Um, and I came up with the idea of, you know, if I say, for instance, my daughter, um, whose name is Grace, which, which the, the film's named after, um, Again, wow, making yeah. that well. If it make if it's personal, it mm -hmm. makes it more impactful. And um, I thought, if I were to protect Grace, how would I do it without, you know, making her panic or worried? And I would do it by disguising it as a game of hide and seek. So I would say to her every day, "Let's play hide and seek again and again and again and again," until it became automatic, where she it, it almost became methodical. So, all right, now it's time to play hide and seek. You know. Mm -hmm up to that moment where, again, the inevitable would happen and hide and seek would turn into a life or death game. So I started writing this film and this script and I was writing and writing and I got to the end and I was like, oh, yeah, it's all right, I guess, I don't know. But I was at, at that point in my career, I didn't have the right people behind me to make the film. And, and obviously, you know, as you know, 
filmmaking is a really, it, it is a team sport and mm-hmm. you've got to have the right people behind you to make, you know, it, some of the mistakes I made in my earlier, in my junior days was I've got this really cool movie. I'm going to do it. And then I'd go out and do it and it would suck, you know, <laughs> you know? Um, so I wanted to make sure that to really do this film justice, I would have to wait and I waited seven years. So wow. I yeah waited uh, and, and, and the waiting kind of stopped when the pandemic hit and we were sitting at home and had nothing to do. And I was talking to my producer, Darren, and I said to him, we, we, we you know, we need a, I, I want to make a movie, right? Let's make a movie. Let's do this. And uh, he was like, oh, what have you got? What ideas have you got? And I said, oh, I've got this really cool idea. It's like the mafia and it's the gangsters and, you know, all this type of stuff. And he goes, what? what? Hang, hang on a sec. You told me you were born in Baghdad. You escaped a war. You went across to, to, to Turkey. You, you, you came here as a refugee. You, you know, your parents started from scratch. That's the story. What's wrong with you? Like, why do you want to tell this other ridiculous story? So I said, oh, hang on. I've got this, this, this film that I wrote ages ago. What do you think? So I, I sent it to him and he just freaked out. He was like, you're nuts. This is the film we, we need. You know, th- we need to tell this story. Um, and, and at that time, uh, you know, I've been in the game for a, for a long time and um, had the right people, had an incredible team behind me and, you know, teamed up with Chris who, who ended up, uh, uh, you know, rewriting it and kind of making it a bit more succinct and a bit more streamlined and, and off we went. Hit wow. the ground running and, and uh, yeah, it's... And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned the name Grace. Yes. And you named the film after your daughter. In Aramaic, a lot of my co-hosts um, were asking, why in Aramaic is it Na'ma? Yes. Why, yes. why that? Okay. So um, Grace for us had two meanings. One, it was, you know, a, a, a name, right? A name for the, the little girl, but also, you know, grace itself, like the grace of God mm-hmm. and, and, and graceful. And it had all these other meanings. So when, uh, when we had the title, I never had... Um, uh, I never had the title, uh, you know, in, in Assyrian, in, in Aramaic. It, it never was like that. It was just in English. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking about it and and, um, and and we thought, obviously, you know, at the beginning the film was supposed to be in English. And I said, look, if we're going to do this film, it has to be in the native language. It has to be. Like, you, we can't tell this story any other way. It has to be in the native language. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously being in the Middle East, um, in Iraq, predominantly Arabic-speaking country, I thought if we did it, it would also have to have that type of twist to it as well. So having it in Assyrian, but not much, do, you, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, it had to have both sides of the world because that's also important, right? That's it's having both sides of the story. And, and when we first, when we first started writing this, I didn't want it to be, it wasn't supposed to be, I mean, it's inevitably going to be mm-hmm. uh, viewed as a political film, right? Yeah. But I never, that was never my intention. My intention was always to present a story about a father and his daughter in its purest form. Because when you, when you, when you funnel it down, that's what it is. They're just human beings. It's not a matter of going, oh, there's this versus that or this and that and whatever it may be. Again, that's going to happen because that's just that part of the world and that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But what's important is to paint it as human beings. That is the most important thing to be like, this is a father trying to protect his daughter. And that's all these people want. 
You know, that's all they wanted. That's what our people wanted. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't want anything else but just to live in peace, to live in their homes for, you know, that's been for centuries and just to walk down the road and get, some, get a bottle of milk, come back, mm-hmm. play with their children in the backyard, go to work, like the most simple of things. So mm-hmm. when, when I was writing this, I, I really wanted to make sure that the most simplest of things comes through and mm-hmm. that's human, just the basic human rights. Yeah. So that that's um you know I, I know I kind of uh, you know swerved off there but no no you're you're helping answer a lot of the other questions that I had, <laughs> so this is good. <laughs> hopefully hopefully that answers the title and why I, I decided to yeah answer. yeah yeah. So we've seen we've seen the trailer and we've seen the father and we've seen the daughter and we've seen somebody knocking on the door and that's pretty much the gist of it. What was the process like with casting and casting Assyrian characters? So casting was extremely complex. Um, again, I had no idea, uh, and I don't know if there are any any others out there. And if there are, please, you know, get come out, <laughs> come out of the woodworks because I'm scared. You know, <laughs> come out of the woodworks. But for us, it was like, uh, you know, I, I said to I said to Daz, oh, this should be easy, right? You know, we'll just there's an Assyrian community and uh, you know Assyrian Chaldean community in Australia. That that, that that's that's fine. We'll find these people. No, it, it's very. It was very, very hard. So we, um, the casting started off with bringing on a, a, a casting director, um, Zach, who I've worked with for, for many years. And I said to him, you know, he looked at the brief and went, "Yeah, I don't know how to execute this. Like, this is extremely hard. I don't know what the language is or who the people are. You're going to need to help me." So I reached out to a couple of people in in, in the community um, and asked for their help and, and was like. You know, I'm unfortunately I'm not that entrenched in the community as I as I should be and I, as I would like to be. Um, you know, can you help out? And this is what we need. So he he put out a call, you know, to the community and and um, eventually kind of made it. And and a lot look, a lot of people were were hesitant. Obviously, they were afraid. Obviously, um, and uh, a lot of them really were, were like, "Who who are you?" <laughs> you know. What, what do you do? What is this again? So there was a lot of, you know, hesitation and confusion because they just didn't really know what it was. I mean, I had it in my head. I was like, trust me, it's going to be good. Like, come along for the ride. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was hard. So we started off with um, Grace. Mm-hmm. And we had about, uh, I think it was around 30 to 40 young girls um, that that auditioned. Lara, who, who plays Grace, was the first girl. Wow. So I saw her audition and just paused and went, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Stop the, uh, the, the, the playback, called my producer immediately, and I went, we found her. And he goes, will you calm down? Like, you, you know, you've still got another 30 or so to look at. I said, no, 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 you don't get it, dude. I found her. This is her. And he goes, look, I, I, I always tell you to follow your gut. I get it but this is literally number one. You need mm-hmm. to look at the rest of them. You can't book them in. And I was like, all right, all right, whatever, whatever. Okay, fine. So we looked through all of them and look, a lot of them were magnificent and they were great, but but there was just something about Lara and her expression and her eyes um, that just just got me, just immediately mm-hmm. got me. And um, I mean, she we, we had to help with, you know, teaching her. Um, I mean, she, she knew how to speak a little Assyrian, but obviously when you're born you know, in another country, you tend to mm-hmm. learn. Yeah, so so we had to help out there. But 
that's how we got um that's how we got Lara. She was, you know, she was incredible. And then the next step was to cast the dad. And uh, a, a lot of the men uh, that auditioned again great really talented it was exactly really hard decision to make um we, we kind of narrowed it down to to three um and uh, sorry two and and those two were, were, were really great um but they just kind of you know when it comes to film you've just got to feel it in your gut right you, you have to go that's that person mm-hmm. you know the person that i was writing the person that was on the page that's the person that's going to interpret the words and we kept looking and then I said to, I said to uh, Daz, my producer, I said, oh, you know, my uncle's got some like kind of minor acting experience. Um, he's also a singer. So he's kind of got like, you know, he's got the creative bone to him. What do you think? Okay. And he said, oh, look, just send me a photo. Let's see. And I sent him a photo and he goes, dude, get him to cast now. Like he looks great. Let's do it. So I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, being my uncle, there might be a little, you know, awkward and whatnot. So anyway, we... I, I called him and I asked him and he sent over an audition tape and just blew it away. I had wow. no idea he had it in him. <laughs> I really didn't. I had no idea. I'd, and um, blew it out of the water and, and, and that's how we got, that's how we got um, Basil to play the dad. And then the next step was to get, uh, oh, so um, another little girl, Grace, who was going up for the main role, she, she, was, she was in the final rounds. And um, in the original script, you'll see in the film, Mm-hmm. I won't tell you what it is because you haven't seen it just yet, but there's another character mm-hmm. and that character was originally a little boy um, and we rewrote the role for Grace specifically, mm-hmm. um, this little girl, because she was just so great. So we that that we had that third and then the fourth was the uncle. Now, the uncle, the uncle was a really complex thing to kind of uh, attack because the uncle is, the uncle's almost all of us, right? All of us going, yeah. you've got to get out. You've got to get out. It's not safe. You've got to get out. And then we, we all we all know those, you know, we all know some family members that just go, no, I'm not leaving, right? There's imminent danger, but I'm yeah. not going to leave. Yeah. So this uncle is that that character that, you know, the, the majority of us go, look, yes, it's our land. Yes, it's our country. Yes, this is our heritage. But our family's right here and we're in imminent danger. You've got mm-hmm. to make a move, right? So we... We ran into um, Johnny, and Johnny is a beautiful soul. Johnny actually was there in 2014 when it happened and narrowly escaped, literally wow. narrowly, like, just, like, you know, within minutes. They came in, bam, grow, and he just, he just escaped. So we were really, really lucky to land Johnny because from an authenticity point of view, um, we, you know, we can't, you can't get better. You can't get better than people who actually experienced it. So when Johnny, it was interesting because when he came in, he had this ponytail and he had this like, you know, this goatee and he had this really cool, cool guy vibe to him. <laughs> but when he auditioned, I was like, there's something about this guy. So we, we spoke more. And I remember on, um, on rehearsal days, my AD, my assistant director, um, when, when we were doing rehearsal, he leaned over and whispered in my ear and he goes, are you sure, you, are you sure this is the right person? And I said, trust me, he's the right person. And we, and immediately right off rehearsal, he just blew it out of the water. And, and the reason why he did that is because he wasn't acting. He was yeah. reliving the moment. It was real life for him. It was real life for him. And it actually wow. got traumatic. It, 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 and we had to actually clear the set a couple of times because it got to a point where it was emotionally affecting him and he was breaking down because he was remembering those moments. So 
Um, wow. It, it, it's, it, it was insane. Like it, and, and it was silence. Like anytime he would, and I tried to keep the takes at a minimum because I knew the, the physical and emotional strain it would cause on reliving moments like that. Because mm-hmm. you really do need to put these actors in an environment and in a mindset where it's, you know, life or death, right? So that's a really hard thing to direct. So having him do that, I tried to keep it as minimal, but every single time he would do another take, the reaction would be complete silence, complete silence. Like it would be, okay, and cut. All right, we need a minute, guys. (laughs) You know, let's just get, you know, he'd go outside and be like, you know, (laughs) profusely smoking, like trying to (laughs) release tension. But um, that's our cast and that was the process for for getting the, 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 the cast. Wow. And all of them are Assyrian? All of them are Assyrian. Yep. Wow. All of them are Assyrian. Yep. That's so uh, that's Assyrian cast. Um, yep. Uh, uh, you know, born and bred. In know, the Aramaic God. language. In the Aramaic with language. The, with the Aramaic yeah. title. Yep. Yep. We brought on a lovely advisor, Sarah, who came on and, and she was not only our script supervisor, but she was also, um, you know, kind of our Assyrian uh, uh, you know, expert in some ways. I mean, obviously Basil and Johnny, they know the language um, uh, fluently and they, you know, born there and grew up there. So that, that, but it was really important, especially for me because, so I was born in Baghdad and I came to Australia when I was, you know, only three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it would have been four. And I, I grew up uh, speaking Arabic because in Baghdad you, you you speak Arabic and my grandpa used to speak to me in Arabic. So I grew up speaking Arabic, which really annoyed my mother's side of the family because they'd be like, you got to speak, we speak Assyrian, what's wrong with you, you know? But I only learned how to speak the language um, when I got married. So my wife taught me how to speak the language properly. Oh. You know, I knew I knew words here and there because obviously, you know, it's, it's my, surrounded by family who speak it. But my, my wife was like, nah, you know, we're, we're learning this. You're going to learn this. So when it came to the, the the making of the film, I knew, you know, I knew enough to get by, but I really needed certain moments. Like there's a, you know, there's obviously, a, a, again, when you watch the film, there's a moment where um, they're praying. And what I wanted to do was present the prayer to the world, but also present this, this mayhem that surrounds the prayer. And you'll see from a sound design point of view, the prayer begins and then you almost want to just catch it, like, hang on, I want to hear more of the prayer. And I almost take that away from you. And it's, a, it's, it's almost, for me, it's a metaphor for our people and our culture. And this language that's been around for thousands of years, that's almost just gone, blip. It's kind of like, where is it now? You know? And I know our people are out there, but it's funny because when you look at the cradle of civilization and you look at everything, now, when you say, oh, I'm a Syrian or I'm Chaldean or whatever it may be, um, people go, what? <laughs> Who? Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I also wanted to make the film. I was like, I'm so sick of explaining to people who I am and where I'm from. Mm-hmm. How about I make a movie and tell you, mm-hmm. you know, where, where I'm from? So that's that was another also another kind of wow. reason. I, I just got goosebumps when you said I took the language away from you because that's that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. ho- hopefully, when you when you watch the film, you'll you'll see the scene I'm talking about, and hopefully, yeah. it won't take you out of the film because I I want you to stay in the film. But yeah, yeah. You know, I get comments like, you know, oh, but why didn't you, why didn't you, you know, showcase the rest of the prayer? And you're like, 
this isn't a documentary or a, a it's not a um an educational piece well it kind of in a sense but it's not a mm-hmm. you know fist up in the air this is who we are and this is what we're, it's not that no 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 yeah. that's not the way to it that's not the way to bring in people um into your world and into into our culture and into you know what we've been through the best way to do it and you look at you know the greatest example in cinema history would be schindler's list mm-hmm. you know you start off uh, you start off immediately, you know, a, a, a Hebrew, you know, in Hebrew, and you hear it, and it immediately puts you into that world. So that's something I, I, I was conscious about. I was like, you can't be expositional, and you can't be um, uh, almost, uh, you, you know, in, in down, you know, ramming it down people's throat. Like you can't be doing that. It has to be natural, and that's where it all goes back to just saying these are just human beings. You know, I know you're watching your uh, your news and it looks like they're all, you know, but they're not, you know. They used to yeah. live in peace amongst, you know, among each other. They used to be peace. Yeah, absolutely people right. Need to, people need to understand that, you know. It's it's all religions were, were in that world living in peace. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that's, we're going to explore that, you know, in, in, in detail hopefully. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. So we did outsource a lot of a lot of questions from our listeners and from my co-hosts. So one of our listeners, Brian B. Brian ninety nine, asked, "What were some of the largest obstacles and challenges throughout this process?" So the largest obstacle I would say is trying to replicate um, the authenticity of the Middle East mm-hmm. in Australia. That was definitely the hardest thing for us to do. So what we did was start off. So we were in lockdown <laughs> and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't recce any locations. We couldn't scout anything. So for us, it was a matter of, you know, the hardest thing for us was like, how are we going to find a house that is going to look like Mosul, right? To the best of our ability, obviously, with the minimal, you know, the, 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 the very tight budget that we've got. So mm-hmm. my godfather came to the rescue <laughs> So he, uh, he had a house um, in the northern suburbs that he was knocking down mm-hmm. um, and it saved us basically because we, with locations, um, you know, if we hide another location, you know, if we hide a, a, a – the best way to do this is, is, is on a set, right, a film set. And what you do is you get reference photos and you go, okay, you build this set, you knock down that wall, et cetera. But that's a really, really expensive thing to do. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have that. So we're like, look, we're going to have to just make do with a house and see how we go. My godfather, I, I spoke to him and he was like, oh, I've got this house and I'm knocking it down. Do you want to, you know, do you want to check it out? And I said to him, oh, that, that'd be amazing. So at the same time, I got reference photos from a bunch of family that lived in Mosul and from, from you know, po- post, sorry, mm-hmm. pre and post 2014 mm-hmm. and hundreds of photos. And our art department extraordinaire, um, uh, Jimbo James, he, uh, you know, he's done some incredible sets. And I said, you know, what do you need? What do we need to do to replicate this? And he said, just give me as many photos as you can. So we got all these photos. At the same time, my godfather sends me back um, photos of this house. And the house is almost, I'm telling like almost identical to the reference photos. It was wow. amazing. Like I, w- I was, you know, I said to my producer, I said, uh, you know, I know you're not a man of faith, but I'm telling you, I've been praying every single night and I think he's, li- you know, I think he's listening, you know, because <laughs> this is fitting perfectly. So he he sends it back and he says to me, because we're knocking it down, you can have it. So now we have it. Not only do we have a house, we have essentially a set. 
Yeah. Right? So for us, it was like, okay, this is going to be a logistical challenge because now we have to go out and speak, uh, you know, and, and, and get the word out for our, our community, get as many photos as we can, and then it's a matter of building it, right? So the carpets, the windows. So in Mosul, a lot of the houses are, you know, obviously in Australia we've got um, timber fences. Over there it's concrete. You've got a big concrete fence and the windows are all, you know, predominantly, um, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, steel barbells and, and whatnot, right? Yeah. So we give it to, to Jimbo and, and finally we let her out of lockdown and we're like, okay, all right, team, here we go. We had all the heads of departments and um, what we did in lockdown prior is my, my uh, DP, uh, Director of Photography, Aaron, mm-hmm. who's an absolute genius, said to me, if you send me a floor, pan, floor plan, I can build you the house in 3D and we can le- literally design our shots on Zoom which is the first time I've ever done it. And it's, it, it was incredible. So we were building these shots. And when we finally got out, we all got in our cars and we drove to this location. And as we were driving there, predominantly Middle Eastern um, community, as we were driving there, it was hard rubbish day, which means everyone threw out all their... So we're driving to this location and my, my art director's like, there's the couch, there's the carpet, there's the TV. There's the... So we built this set 90% on hard rubbish. Wow. It was, un- it was unbelievable. We got to set and I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like we, sa- we saved thousands of dollars, you know, on hard rubbish and we designed the entire set of obviously reference photos to the best of our ability, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and uh, re- replicated Mosul in, in Australia. And, and we, I mean, we did a bunch of VFX work as well in the backyard and obviously when you see it, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, replicated the backyard um, to try and, build the Mosul landscape, uh, sorry, the, the Mosul skyline, because it was really important for me. And initially in, in the budget, we didn't have scope to do this, but um, Jamie, our magnificent VFX artist, was like, no, no I'll, I'll help you guys out. It, it, you know, it would be fine because I had this idea in my head, you know, I'm going to put the audience in this world and and 90% of the film is in this house. And the reason it's in this house is because it acts as like a, a like a, her safety, her, her mm-hmm. sanctuary, right? And the light, the light, we lit it in a way where it's completely outside because the light is bursting inside of the house. Again, a metaphor for the outside world trying to burst into their sanctuary. But what I also wanted was to have an exterior sequence to actually, you know, help the audience visualize that world. So it didn't look like a cheat, you know, it's not, it's, it, even though it wasn't, everything inside the house wasn't a cheat, it was, you know, symbolic. I wanted to also explore that. And when we did that, we had to build basically a concrete wall. So we replaced the, uh, uh, the timber fencing. We put this big concrete wall with bullet holes all over it because that would, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what would happen. Um, and there's big muscle, you know, skyline. So logistically, that was the hardest thing to do. Wow. I can only imagine having to recreate a house in Mosul in in Australia. It was was very complex. It sounds like everything kind of worked out in itself and it was like meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um, I don't know, any aspiring filmmakers out there, pray. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just pray, yeah. So let's let's kind of go a little bit back um, and talk about your career in directing commercials. Yeah. What's been your best experience with that? So I, I decided, so I started off my career as an, as an editor. 
I always knew I wanted to to direct, but I thought if I understood editing, if I understood editing um, entirely, uh, even to the point where I'm physically doing the editing, um, I would make me a better filmmaker because you know editing is the you know it's the last it's the last hurrah. That's how you make your film. I mean, the classic comment is you know the, the film gets rewritten on in the editing suite, you know, in the editing floor. Um, so then. Did, did a bunch of editing um, and then made my way through uh, directing. And I chose advertising because av- uh, directing ads is not only fun, right? It's very energetic. But trying to tell a story within a 30-second, even a 15-second window is a real challenge. And I mm-hmm. thought, look, if I could hopefully master that by the time, you know, I get to the point where I've kind of, uh, you know, hone my craft and, and sharpen my, my, my skill set. By the time I get to film, hopefully I'll un- understand it enough. And, and it does take a long time. And the other question I get is why now? Like, why is it taking you so long? It's because it's not easy. That's number one, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to do it of a, uh, of a certain caliber um, where you really need, you know, to compete against the rest of the great filmmakers that are out there. And there are thousands out there. You really need to one, really sharpen your uh, your, your skill set, and two, build that team around you. And I've been using my team um, for for many years now, about six, seven years now. Like I've, it's it's been the predominantly the same team, depending mm-hmm. on their availability. But I always use my same team because I know they'll always deliver. I know that I've got something in my head. Aaron will figure out how to shoot it. Darren will figure out how to make it. You know, it's it's, it's that's that team. So they know how you work they know how I work and that's very rare. Like to, uh, you know, our form, our communication is very minimal because I'll just go, you know, I've got this and remember how we did da, 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 And then they'll just go, Oh yep. Automatic. We get it. You need this, 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 and this in terms of best experience. I, there's been many really amazing experiences and the agency that I work at at the moment are, are incredible and they're super supportive and they, they supported this film and, you know, absolutely amazing. But I would say the best experience only because it was such a challenge and a, and a foreign feel to it was I directed a, uh, a commercial for GMC trucks in Dubai wow. in the middle of the desert, um, which proved to be a very, very, very tough challenge. Cause I'm kind of like, I mean, I like cold weather, like I like mm-hmm. skiing and stuff like that. Right. So when it comes to the heat, I'm just like, Oh God. So it was very humid, very hot, and it was very big, so it's it, um, it that that would I, I'd say that one there would be a you know one of the the top you know jobs I've done because it was just such a a challenge, and I love challenges. Yeah, you uh, the way that you're talking about filmmaking, you're so passionate about it. Um, have you always wanted to go into directing and filmmaking? Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, I uh, as a kid, I'd love watching movies. Uh, I still love watching. I watch a movie a day. Um, you know, it's 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 always been my passion, and I never realized until really a couple of days ago when our community just went, "Oh, what you're doing? You're doing way more." You know, I never realized um, that the skill set that I've got could actually be used for something that could potentially make a change. So really, now my mindset's film has always been a powerful thing. Right for, mm-hmm. for 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 many many different cultures many different I mean look at look at um you know uh, Italian for example right the Roman Empire how many films have been made about that or 
or the Greeks, for, for instance. Or, so my, you know, the, 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 couple, the projects that we've got on the table at the moment are the feature, um, is, a, is a series that we're hopefully, you know, we, we want to push to like something like Netflix would be amazing. And that series is, is you know, spans our entire kind of um, history and, and, and culture. Um, but yeah, in terms of, has it always been my, my passion and my love? 100%. That's love every, love every bit of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have to love what you do. Oh yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah. What's been the best piece of advice that you've been given? Follow your gut. I love follow it. your gut. That's what you've been doing with this film. And, and here we are. Always accolade follow after accolade. <laughs> <laughs> Always follow your gut. Never, never, um, uh, the, uh, what, what makes a, a really good filmmaker and what, and what I've learned is surround yourself by amazing people that do what they do best and always understand that they're the expert in their field, not you. So for me, my job is I've got a vision. Mm-hmm. I've got something that's in my head. Now I find the right DP, the right producer, the right editor, the right storyboard artist, the right, you know, the right um, art director, right composer. They're the people that are experts. So my job really is to just answer questions, you know, where do you want this? Where do you want that? How do you want this? And you've got to be able to, you know, answer them in a succinct, you know, succinct, straightforward way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you follow your gut the whole way through, you, you can't fail. You just cannot fail. It's because there's something inside that says to you, look, you know, you're getting, you're getting feedback from several different places, right? Mm-hmm. And what worked really beautifully in this film is uh, Chris, uh, the, the screenwriter, is very kind of indie and very artistic and very kind of metaphorical. And Daz, my producer, he's very kind of straightforward. And he, you know, he's, he's you know, you, to be a producer, you need that kind of mentality, right? Very expositional. You need to explain certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and having those one to the left, one to the right, you kind of learn to sit in the middle and you go, I'll take a bit of that and I'll take a bit of that and I'll take a bit. You, you get to a point where you understand that you're following your gut. You're hearing these, these, um, you know, these suggestions or these ideas, but if you follow your gut again, you, you just cannot make a mistake. That's the best piece of advice I've ever been, you know, ever been given. That's awesome. So recently, I mean, you mentioned the Assyrian community has kind of been blowing up your inbox, Instagram, social media, and it's all been positive feedback. What has been the feedback outside of the Assyrian community? Um, the, the feedback outside has been extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And, and um, again, very grateful. Um, it, it, so many people have um, been really supportive of the film. Yeah, it's really, it's really heartwarming, you know? It's really heartwarming. It's, uh, I think for, for us, it's, you know, when we, when we were trying to get this film off the ground and, and in terms of funding, we found really great people um, to help us. You know, one of them is named Zahi, another one, Mahad. And they helped us fund, you know, a majority of the film and the community came together. And again, without, without much information, like we didn't, I didn't have any storyboards or a pitch or anything like that, right? It was just... Mm-hmm. Hey, there's this guy, <laughs> you don't know him, but he wants to make this movie, help him out. And our community just, ba- you know, in Australia banded together. And if I knew in advance about the rest of us, right. And if I had access to the rest of us, which I didn't at the time, I, I didn't even, I didn't even fathom. It was for me, it was just, 
I need to get this movie made. That that was it. You know, everything else from a you know social media point of view or marketing or connecting, you know, networking point of view, I had no idea. And there's so many people at the moment who are helping out, you know, getting off the ground. But in terms of outside the community, it's been you know magnificent. We've we've heard um, you know don't get me wrong, we've had some no's from festivals. We've had some you know this this doesn't quite fit our you know our not agenda, but it doesn't kind of fit our our um, our world at the moment, right? Mm. So there are there have been a couple of those festivals, but predominantly we've been we've been getting great feedback from festivals. Um, we've been getting great feedback from from like <clears throat> the how do you say it non-Assyrian community or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah you could say that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's 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 great, and I, I'm always like I I, I love constructive feedback. You know, <clears throat> I, 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 if there's you know, I always get people asking certain questions like, oh, what about what about this, uh, you know, for example, the Yazidis, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mate, I've got 10 minutes to tell a story. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have five hours, you know, yeah. so, but it is something that we'll explore in the in the feature film, hopefully, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, anytime I get that kind of feedback, it's like, oh, great. They're actually listening. They're actually focusing. The, the, uh, the, the how I know I've done my job is uh, and and I, I, I it was something that I really wanted to happen is when when you watch the film you'll get what I mean when the film ends the 99% of people are completely silent like and in the cinema when we had our premiere this is the first time I experienced this this reaction the film ended and it was nothing no one reacted and I was like what is going on, right? Like, what did, what have we done? Do they like it? Do they not like it? What's <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what it ha- what they do is they take it in, a lot of, like 99% of people, completely silent. They take it in and then they burst out into, what about this? What about that? How did this happen? How did that? And it, and it causes um, conversation. It actually invokes conversation. And that is a really powerful thing for a film to do. Like when you, you know, when you watch a movie, <clears throat> when you watch a a movie that's not supposed to do that, right? I'm, I'm not going to target any specific genre, but a film that's not supposed to do that, you kind of watch it and then you just walk away, right? Because it kind of ties it up and it, and it ends it and everything's very beautiful and lovely and then it's there. But what I do with, with this film on purpose is to go, okay, let's talk. Let's, let's discuss this. This is important. You know, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and a lot of people ask <clears throat> the right questions. Who are Syrians? Where do they come from? What do you? Who are Chaldeans? And I mean, that's that's the most the most fun is who are Syrians and who are Chaldeans, right? That's the most. And I'm like, oh god, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I do not. You know, they're the same thing. And they're like, what do, you, what do you mean to say? I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not a politician. I'm just going to walk away from this. Um, but yeah, it, other it it causes conversation is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, having this film and all these film festivals and so many different people watch it, non-Assyrians, you're getting the word out there of who we are, what we've been through, what's actually going on um, in the homeland right now and yep. during ISIS. So that's that's a really important part of it. Totally. Yeah. My one of my fellow co-hosts, John, he asked if you've ever seen the film Life is Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay, great. So he said, he's asking, what, if any inspiration, did you take from that? Um, Oh, I get where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I actually watched Life is Beautiful uh, when, after the premiere. 
So I hadn't seen Life is Beautiful until we premiered and um, someone like John came up to me and went, have you seen Life is Beautiful? And I was like, not yet. What's Life is Beautiful? And it's like, oh, you got to watch it. It's beautiful. You know, kind of reminded me of this film. And, and I went home and I watched it and I go, that's really cool. I like that. I like that. I really do like that. Look, I, I, I personally for me, um, it, 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 how I came up with this story is to put myself in that world, okay, to connect myself physically and emotionally to that world. And personally, I wouldn't have the courage to tell my kids, my five, six, seven-year-old kids, um, what was going on. And I see in that film as well, that's basically what was going on as well, right? To kind of maintain that innocence. And one thing that's that's always intrigued, well, always, no, really, always um, kind of uh, affected me it's in, in, and, and astonished me is how quickly children in that part of the world grow up. They got to grow, you know, 12, 13. I mean, back in the day, 13, 14, people were getting, you know, getting married, you know? So when I hear that, I go, oh, wow, that innocence must be completely snatched away from them. You know, they're childhood. There is no. So again, that's what it, it, when it comes to, yeah, films like Life is Beautiful, I guess that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to go, how do we maintain innocence within a childhood? But yeah, it was lovely that, that the night of the premiere, um, my, my mate came up to me and he's like, dude, you got to watch Life is Beautiful. That's really, have you seen it? I go, no, not yet. You go, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> now I want to watch Life is Beautiful. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a good, it's a beautiful film. It's it's really lovely. First I'm going to watch Grace and then I'll watch Life is Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, um, drawing, drawing inspiration from film, films like that. I mean, every film draws from a previous film's inspiration. Always. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be art. It could be. I mean, you know, it, 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 Tarantino does it best, right? Tarantino takes something that's already been made and then just reconstructs it, make, you know, reconstructs it and makes it his own. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that art is. So, the inspiration for Grace was really a couple of films. One of them was Cape Naum, which is a Lebanese film um, uh, about a, you know, about a refugee. And yeah, it, it. I won't tell you a lot about it because it's. I think it's better to. From a film perspective, it's better to just watch the film. When you get somebody tell you about a film, you kind of go, oh, why did you do that? I just want to yeah. watch the movie. Um, Cape Naum, Sin Hombre is another uh, beautiful film about a family trying to cross through Mexico into the United States. Beast of No Nation is another inspiration which tackled uh, child soldiers in, in Africa. And the final one um, that really kind of really sparked all the creative decisions and, 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 you know, inspired me the most was Insondies, which is a film by Denny Vellanu, um, which is a beautiful film. They're all, you know, they, they, they all act as like inspiration and, you know, and then you draw inspiration from like visuals, like, you know, DPs like Deacons, Roger Deacons, you know, his photography um, or Rob Richardson, you know, Rodrigo, um, like, you know, there are so many different places that you draw inspiration from and that's the way to do it. Really, because if you don't, you don't you don't know what works and what doesn't work, and you just you start to get lost in in how to make something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So one of our listeners, Janan, is asking, "What help do you need to make this a feature film?" What help do we need to make this a feature film? So the feature film is a very complex thing to to try and get off the ground. So the first thing we're doing at the moment um, is we're writing what's called an outline. 
And an outline is basically the story, um, you know, it's like an elevator pitch, right? If I met you in an elevator and I had to tell you the entire story, that's what the outline is. So we're doing that at the moment and we've got writer's rooms basically on a daily basis. So once we get the, the outline done, because we are in Australia, we and 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 the the film follows the film expands and it's got a bit of an Australian backdrop. Only again, drawing inspiration from from me and my situation and my world and obviously the community in Australia. It has a, a, a it it has it follows Grace and Grace's journey with her uncle and her father and aunties and uh, I, I mean I I I was saying I was saying to Daz. The, the, the three things that kind of make us who we are, right, if you were to kind of visualise them, is our baptisms, our weddings and our funerals, right? So there's the life, you know, there's life-death aspect kind of thing. So our, our baptisms are quite unique, our weddings are definitely quite unique and our funerals are also quite unique, you know. Like in, in Western culture they, they tend to celebrate whereas ours are quite intense in terms of mourning and, you know, stuff like that. So... I said I really wanted to put at least two out of the three in the film um, to, to get that off the ground. So what can what can the community do to help us out? Well, the more eyes on the short film, the better. Because essentially what, what, what we're doing is we're building an audience. And when we go to the funding bodies or the financiers that are ho- hopefully going to invest in this film and make it, one of the things that we need to present is, is there an audience? And if there's an audience of thousands already, you know, and I know there are way more than that, but mm-hmm. if there are an audience of thousands that are backing us and backing the film, it's going to make more sense for the money people, right? And obviously a, a feature film is not going to be cheap to make, especially what I've got in my head and my, my producer loves to remind me. He's like, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't. I'm like, dude, I'm not compromising. The feature film is going to explore a lot. And what you're trying to do is, you know, in 2014, you're talking about right now in Mosul, you're talking about a Mosul that doesn't, that used to exist. And that's something we need to try and convey on screen. That's going to take money. You're going to, you you have to build the set. You have to build the VFX. You have to, you know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's two things. One, obviously uh, building the audience, getting as many eyes on the short film as, as, as possible. Um, And then obviously financing, you know, is another thing as well. And I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, people to throw money at the film, but it's, uh, it, it's assisting, assisting the funding bodies and the, uh, the, um, uh, the financiers, right. Assisting them. Uh, and the best way to do that is to go, Hey, there is already an audience right here. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause in this day and age, if you've already got an audience, you're going to get funding like this. You know, there, there's so many, and 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 with the world of like YouTube and stuff like, you know, if a YouTuber who's got, you know, 75 million subscribers goes up to a funding body and says, I want to do a feature, they're going to go, yeah, you've already got 75 million eyes, you know? So for us, building the audience is the most important thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of other, you know, little nitty gritty things that I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, um, tackle with, but I'm, um, again, now that I've got my, um, got my gang, got my, got my support around me, I can, I can, you know, it, it's going to be not as hard as trying to get off the, you know, the short, cause the short was like, how do we do this? How do we do this? Yeah. yeah. So how long is the movie? Uh, the short, the short, film. The, 
the, short, the short film, film is uh, is eleven minutes. Eleven minutes, and how yeah. long did it take you with this the entire process to create this eleven minute? Uh, eleven minutes was uh, I'd say about two months of pre production, uh, three day shoot, which should have been a seven day shoot. So we crammed in a lot of stuff, you know. <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the film, the film, we, we had to find ways around it. And I'm so, again, so grateful for the cast and the crew for all their hard work and all long hours. You know, it's um, it, it wasn't easy. So yeah, two months of pre, three days shoot, <clears throat> and about I'd say two, say two months of uh, post production. So all up, let's say four months, all up. Wow, for eleven yeah. minutes. Eleven minutes, yeah. I just wanted to put that into perspective for, for our <laughs> listeners that it is a lot of hard work. It's not. It, oh, that's that's not even counting. Um, that's not even. Yeah, you're writing. Not even counting, and you're, yeah, yeah, the writing, the rehearsals, the yeah. So there, there's there's a lot to take into account, and and obviously when it comes to a feature film, it's it's um <clears throat> you know it'll be a say a five or six month. No, I'd say I'd say about an eight month journey. Um, but you got to remember that's that's a bigger team, a much bigger team. You know, it takes a very long time to kind of you know get something, especially uh, again of the uh, the caliber that I'd love to execute and and um, you know the grand kind of vision, two two and a half hour kind of window. It's mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot. Well, the Syrian Chaldean community is behind you, so we're Thank really you, excited to see the film. I know I purchased the ticket through the Boston Film Festival, and after this, I'm going to go and watch it. So, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. I look forward to yeah. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I, I hope you enjoy the film. Thank you, thank you. So, one final question that we ask all of our guests on the Assyrian podcast is that: What is one thing that you'd like to say to our listeners? and we have listeners all around the world, what would you like to say to them? Keep our culture alive. Keep it alive. It's a, it's a beautiful culture um, with, you know, with a massive, massive history. And, uh, yeah, it'd be a shame to see it kind of slowly disappear. So I'd say keep it alive and keep it well and, 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 and hopefully, you know, the the one of the most amazing emotional things for me would be if, if this film inspired you know other people to go out and tell their stories as well and that would be a pretty incredible thing um <clears throat> keep it alive thank you so much for listening to the Assyrian podcast and your continued support please be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening Share the episode with your family and friends, and we will see you all next week.